You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Communications Overtones blogger Cami Heiza goes on the record online. About a year ago, none of my clients had any interest in social media. I did. They didn't. Um, they thought I was kind of funny. They laughed at me. You know, that blogger girl that, that, that does our PR. And they loved it in a certain sense. But they were like, didn't see how that they could use it themselves. But today, all of those clients, plus some others that have come to me, are asking for that kind of a service. And thank you for joining us for this episode of On the Record Online, recorded at the PRSA International Conference 2007 in Philadelphia. This is the podcast that brings you the story behind the story. We do in-depth one-on-one interviews with journalists from the mainstream media, as well as from time to time, discussions with bloggers, podcasters, and newsmakers about how technology is changing and threatening to disrupt the mainstream media business as we know it. My name is Eric Schwartzman. I'm the managing director of boutique Los Angeles-based PR firm Schwartzman & Associates, which specializes in entertainment, media, and technology. I am also the founder and chairman of iPressroom Corporation, which helps organizations including Target, Trend Micro, UCLA, and others extend the reach and effectiveness of their marketing and PR campaigns online using the latest new media tools and services integrated into one powerful online dashboard. Today we have a one-on-one interview with Cami Heiza. She is a blogging consultant based in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, she runs a small boutique PR firm, and uh, she specializes in funneling public relations campaigns through blogs. And aside from her PR firm, uh, she's also the author of Communications Over Tones, her personal blog, uh, and she is participating with me as an official conference blogger. As a matter of fact, uh, we collaborated on the proposal which led to this year's conference blog. Um, uh, So uh, I am going to be talking with her. The interview lasts around 15 minutes, and we are going to play it for you after this. Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from iPressroom. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom. Tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. Communications Overtones blogger, Cami Heiza. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Eric. It's nice to be here. Now, uh, you and I got together and wrote a little proposal that ultimately led to this year's uh, first real power PRSA International Conference blog, an initiative which you actually laid the ground for work for last year. What does it take to win executive buy-in for a blogging initiative at a large organization? Wow, that's a big question. Um, Really, Eric, I think 
what really matters whenever you're trying to get a huge new social media type of endeavor out in an organization that hasn't done one before, um, whether it be PRSA or one of your clients or your boss, if you work inside, is understanding what the needs of the organization are. And part of what really makes a blog really work for PRSA is that this is the profession where we need to be on the cutting edge of the tools and the techniques for communicating with the public and communicating with our stakeholders and communicating with the communities that matter to our companies and our, our, our businesses. So the, the PRSA blog, which we're putting in podcasting, obviously here we're talking to each other, um, video um, segments, uh, blog posts, links out, Flickr. Um, Josh Hallett is running around the conference taking pictures and putting them up on Flickr. All of these elements are really important for the public relations practitioner to understand and to be able to use fluently. So why are organizations afraid of blogging? I mean, why is it seen as so high risk? It's not controllable. Um, we've been very used to coming up with some key messages and, and writing up a press release and calling our media contacts who we know well, we know how they'll behave, and delivering those messages but this is a conversational medium, um, one where we're forced to um, actually have a discussion with our customer or with our the people that matter to us, and I think that's a little bit a little bit scary. I mean, you know, you wonder if you'll be able to keep up with it. You wonder if you'll um, be able to do it the right way. There's the fear of being one of those comp- one of those companies that have been flamed in the internet. Um, so I think there's some justified fear that um, but but the overall benefits of doing it I think aren't looked at nearly as much as they should be and that's really I think where you can make a difference in a company is when you start to show them how this can benefit them back to the uh, idea of uh, um, in, uh, launching some sort, of, some sort of a blog initiative at an organization mm-hmm. or an yeah. association um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've encountered uh, when you've tried to help organizations launch blogs? Well, first there's this, the educational component, um, helping them understand you know, what is available to them. Um, but I take my clients through a three-part process, and I think any organization could use this. And the first one is active listening. Um, just let them start to see what's going on out there. Um, hear what people are saying, using a Technorati search or a Google um, blog search, let them start to see, you know, are there people talking about your organization? What are they saying? Um, Who are they? Uh, What is their beef if they have one? Or do they love you? Um, There's all kinds of things you can find out about people once you start listening. And I call it active listening because once you start listening, there will also be opportunities for you to engage with those people through comments and and joining in their conversations. and when you have those opportunities, you should take them uh, strategically so that you, you, know, you can understand what, what you're trying to accomplish. But getting, getting rid of the corporate speak and just having a conversation with your community can be quite liberating. So that's number one. Number two is really what I would call um, blogger outreach or starting to uh, try to give those people that are writing about you already, content creators, I guess is the better way to put it, because there's video, there's podcasting, but content creators out there, to give them the pieces of the information they need 
to start creating their own content with your information. So what do they need? Do the, does that community need something that you can provide as a company? Um, do, do they need statistics? Do they need information? Um, do they need, some people have put together a, a ranking list for a, a vertical um, group of bloggers and they love that. Uh, the Healthcare 100 is a really good example of that. Uh, one of my clients did that as a way to engage with the community. So there, there's that. And then the third way is actually becoming a content creator yourself. So launching a blog, a podcast, putting out some YouTube videos. So when you start becoming part of that community and creating your own content, that's sort of the final step. And that can actually start very small with a trial balloon, a little uh, project. You don't have to jump in and say, I'm starting a blog forever. You know, you can do a little project and see how it works. My clients have found that really useful. So you advise uh, those three steps in that order. First, listening, active listening, then uh, getting involved in the conversation, and then last, after you've done those two, perhaps um, you know, launching and hosting your own conversation. I think that's right. I mean, th that second step can kind of be simultaneous with the first step. So you can start giving to the community almost as soon as you start listening to them. So that, you know, providing information and providing content for them that's that second step. You can do that almost in uh, conjunction with the first step. Once you start listening, you know, you can hear it. So Now, last night you and I went to dinner mm -hmm. uh, with some other people from PRSA. And, uh, you know, you showed me some things I didn't know how to do. You showed me how to monitor Twitter on a cell phone. You showed me how to monitor a Flickr feed on a cell phone. Um, and I got to tell you, you know, just to, 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 to talk straight, which is what we do on this podcast, um, it's very unlikely that a woman would be at the forefront so leading edge. I mean, you know, you are ahead of me in terms of your use of technology. You understand it better, I think, in terms of being able to use it on a day-to-day -day basis. How do you do it? I know you have a newborn child. <laughs> you have uh, another um, a baby at home. So how do, you, how do you pull it off? How do you balance uh, your, your, I guess, curiosity to learn and experiment and use new media uh, and run an agency, which I know you do because you have a small boutique pre-hour firm, and be a mom at the same time. Wow, I'm really busy, Eric. <laughs> um, I think that one of the key things to being a really, uh, to being a really successful public relations practitioner or, or professional is an, ins an insatiable desire to learn. Well, this is my interest. Um, your interest may be opera. I know we've talked about that and other things or some other kinds of ways of learning. So I don't think my way of learning is necessarily any better than anybody else's way of learning. But on this particular issue, technology and using it, I have an insatiable desire to learn these things. Um, my goal is to stay ahead of my kids. That's going to be a big, big mountain to climb. So, I mean, that's my goal, though. I, that, that's what, I'm, what I have in mind when I'm doing these things. I want to be, I want to completely understand this stuff so that I can relate with my children. Is it a desire to be ahead of the curve? <laughs> Probably. A little competitiveness. Also, maybe a desire not to look stupid. <laughs> but, but I think it's... it's, it's it's arguable, you could argue that many clients at this point, many organizations, many companies, don't really perceive 
the benefit that new media has to offer, they're starting to wake up to it. Mm -hmm. And certainly, you know, your efforts as a blogger and evangelist, and I think all of our efforts are helping. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I mean, there are still a lot of clients out there in the PR space who want to see, you know, the effort focused towards mainstream media relations and don't really perceive a benefit to something like a search engine optimized press release or a social media press release. What, what is the danger of, you know, coming into a client that's come to you for mainstream media relations or for mainstream public relations and saying, no, 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 wait a minute, you don't actually want that. What you want is SEO and direct communications and, and social media. Um, relevancy? Well, that's a really great question, Eric. Uh, over about a year ago, none of my clients had any interest in social media. I did. They didn't. Um, they thought I was kind of funny. They laughed at me. You know, that blogger girl that, that, that does our PR. And they loved it in a certain sense. But they were like, didn't see how that they could use it themselves. But today, all of those clients, plus some others that have come to me, are asking for that kind of a service. And to answer your other question, which is uh, what is the risk in somebody coming to you wanting one thing and giving them another? The answer to that is actually strategic planning. The way I've always handled my practice is that when I sit down with a client and we're going through a project, we come up with what objectives that we have, measurable objectives, and what outcomes they want. And then we match the tools and tactics to that those objectives. And I have to say, some of those are going to be mainstream. Some of those are going to be social media. But once I marry them to objectives and we understand that this is how we're going to move the, we're going to move the football from this goalpost to that goalpost, I very rarely get, get much pushback on that. Um, there's some pushback on IT. Um, I've had some pushback from legal. But generally, the client themselves are like, yeah, let's do this. So we've, we've really worked hard, and I work with a lot of big companies, corporate, very, very um, traditional, uh, very um, reluctant to try new things sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't believe that it's as big of a problem as everybody's saying it is, and maybe it's just because my experience has been once we put it in the framework of how it benefits the company, I don't get as much pushback. Now... Programs have been have been completely canceled over corporate politics and issues, but I, I don't really see how that's different than anything that we've ever done. As a consultant, um, I think people often want to put a consultant in a box and say that this person has a specific niche. It's obviously easier mm -hmm. to become known for a specific niche. We advise our clients on that all the time. So if you become known as a person that specializes in helping organizations uh, work with new media, does that then compromise how they feel about you as a mainstream practitioner? Wow. You know, I've actually thought about this a lot over the last couple of months, um, just going through this. but. And also, you know, what happens when social media moves on to the next way of communicating? Uh, we don't even know what's next as far as that goes. Uh, I think I still do a lot of just basic, everyday public relations activities. I mean, things that I've done from all 13 years of my career. So I have a, a very classical background, and that's not likely to go away. 
but yes, I mean, I'm having more and more people come to me for a very specific niche. But part of the reason they're coming to me is because they think that I understand them. They're like, well, you come from a classical PR background and you understand our issues. And you're not one of those crazy social media people that thinks that social media is the answer to everything. Kind of like the vitamin salesman that comes and says, hey, you know, you're sick. Oh, take this vitamin. Oh, your toe hurts. Take this vitamin. <laughs> I mean, we've got to be really careful not to say that social media solves all problems because it doesn't, um, we still have to do a lot of work in the traditional realm and we have to make sure that the companies that we're working with and for make real changes to talk about. You can't just spin, spin their issues and say, put it in a social media wrapper and hope that that makes it better because you're having a conversation. What tangible results can a blog initiative deliver and how do you measure success? Yeah, um, I th I'm beginning to feel more and more that, well, let me back up a minute. Blogs are wonderful for, for analytics. You get all kinds of great numbers from blogs. You know, how long did somebody look at a particular article? What did they come search for? How did they come to your site by what search word? Once they're in your site, um, actually Google Analytics just turned this on a couple of weeks ago. Um, once they're in your site, do they use your internal search engine and what do they search for there? Did they find it or not when they searched for it? There's all kinds of analytics that can help you shape your content, which is a great thing. But I'm finding more and more that probably the thing that we need to start measuring, and very few people are yet, is relationships. Um, there's, a, there's a really great study out of the Institute for Public Relations call, from Grunig and Hahn. Um, and it's a measurement, a measurement of public relations. They have it on their website, IPR does, uh, it's free. They came up with some measures of relationship and some questions that can be asked through a survey, uh, maybe a survey that comes up when the people come to visit the blog, or um, even you can elicit on the sidebar that can help you understand why people are coming to your blog, what they're looking for, and how you can make some changes. It's a pretty simple little um, instrument. That's one way. Um, but I really do believe we're going to have to find better ways to measure the relationships that we have with the people that we're talking to. So another way is the conversational index, which is blog posts to number of comments. So you can take a look at how many blog posts you have. Um, you divide that by the comments. And if you have a number, actually it's the other way around, I think. But anyway, if, if you have a number, if you have more comments than you have blog posts, then that shows that the conversation on your blog is, is actually going in a positive direction in the sense that there's engagement. So I think that's where, where we're going with blogs. Now, the second thing is what kind, of, um, what kind of media does it generate? I mean, I know that some people are measuring that, like, you know, do, do the media come and look at our blog? So take Dell, for example. They are a great example right now. Jeff Jarvis, a, a year ago, said Dell sucks. And the whole world changed for Dell. Um, they've made a lot of changes internally, and I'm not going to go into all the details here, but last week and Business Week, Jeff Jarvis um, went back and, and uh, toured Dell, saw what they were doing different, said, hey, here's some places where Dell has really improved, here's some places where they could still improve, and wrote a very positive article in Business Week. So that went from blogs to mainstream press. Um, from negative to positive. And I'm starting to talk about when negatives are positives. Being out in the blogosphere, um, being engaged, listening to your, con listening to your customer, 
um, hearing what they have to say about your product and using it as, a, as, as intelligence to make changes and to refine your strategy uh, for delivering services really does make a negative a positive in the blogosphere. So there's a lot of ways, tangible and intangible, to measure success. The big thing is, what does your company care about? What do they need? Um, do they need to sell more widgets? Um, do they need to have more people come to a conference? Do they need to have more people come on, a, on, a, on the airline or whatever it is? Um, you need to look at what, your, what the measures are in your company and see how you can use social media to contribute to that. The type of information, the type of research, the type of data that's typically used by organizations to develop products doesn't come from PR, doesn't come from communications. Typically, we're just tasked with communicating the company line. In your experience, how receptive is product development to actually incorporating the knowledge that's learned through new media into product development? You know, I... The problem is, is they often aren't. Uh, it depends on the culture of the company. I just heard Katie Payne in her presentation, and she talked about Procter and Gamble using um, using some of these social media tools to to engage with their customers and um, make product choices. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have firsthand knowledge about that, but she may be a good person to interview sometime about that. But. We actually um, have interviewed Katie Payne in a past show, and it is available if anybody wants to download it. Cool, yeah, she's very good, and, and she's got some great measurement um, advice. And, you know, I'm just talking from a practical standpoint. Um, but public relations professionals, our job is to understand the stakeholders of our companies. And part of our job is also to become the trusted advisor to... Um, what they call the C-suite, but to become the trusted advisor, so to facilitate the two-way conversation. We've, we've been that, or we can be that. So I guess I've always resisted being the, as you put it, well, you didn't say it this way, but the mouthpiece of an organization. I've always resisted that. What I want to be is a conduit between the stakeholders and and, and the people who make the decisions in the company. Um, and that's the way I've always led my career before social media. So for me, social media was sort of the realization of the ability to do that on a larger scale. That was huge for me. That's why I'm so excited about it, I think, because it always was such a high value for me. So whenever I found social media and said, oh my goodness, we finally have a tool to be able to do this, what I've been trying to do since the beginning. Um, I actually can talk to people. It's hard to get out there and talk to people, but with social media, it's easy. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to have some resistance, but as you become a trusted advisor and people trust you and trust you what you think and what you say based on track record, um, I think that you'll find that that kind of melts away. What are the objectives of the conference blog? Uh, the conference blog that, that, that that's going on really... On a, on a larger scale for the first time at PRSA, at prsaconf07.info. Again, prsaconf07.info. Um, what are the benefits, do you think, uh, to our trade, to pub the Public Relations Society of America, uh, of having a, a conference blog? 
Well, I, I actually sat down with the PRSA staff when we started this and asked them that question because I wanted to know, what do you want to get out of this? What are you interested in doing with this? And what they really wanted to do, number one, is um, improve their credibility with social media advocates and people out in that, in that realm. Um, they've really had a lot of people that have, have um, beaten them up over the fact that they haven't jumped into this new communication tool, partly because the membership is hungry for information on how, how this stuff works. <laughs> so it's really important for a, an organization like PRSA to become experts themselves in all the communication tools, even if they're not, you know, the tools everybody uses. So, you know, we have specialty groups in PRSA, we have health, health groups, travel and tourism, independence, but social media has, you know, just come to the forefront. So they need to get on the cutting edge and that's what they wanted to do. So with this blog, it's not just a blog. We're also putting up podcasts with it, um, YouTube videos, Flickr feeds. And the reason we're doing all that is that's a multimedia experience. Um, and very few people are doing that right now, using all of those, all of those methods uh, to get the information to their stakeholders. Also, we, want to ex- we wanted to extend the professional development from this conference out to the membership. A very small percentage of the membership come to this conference. I mean, I think we have 3,000 people here. 3,200, and that included the students this morning. So I don't know um, how many um, professionals, but that's a very small percentage of the overall PRSA membership. So how do we engage those people that are out in the countryside, in their desks, people that didn't have time, money, or the will to come here and show them some of the um, professional development that we're doing here and also share it with them? uh, The third thing is within the, this, these four walls of this conference, how do we continue the conversation on from, from each session? So how can you talk to your presenter and, and, and get information? So we're, we're doing that in a very small way. I mean, we're not covering every session this, this year. Maybe we'll do that in, in subsequent years. But right now we're doing it on a small scale, a trial balloon. Remember what I said, start small, grow from there. Um, so yeah, that's, I think those were the three real objectives. Become cutting edge extend the professional development beyond the four walls and make the the professional development within the four walls richer. So I guess this is how the conference blog will help PRSA advance the profession and the professional. Yeah, exactly. What, um, any, any big surprises? I mean, I know we're only in our first day mm-hmm. and uh, you and I have both had very busy days. <laughs> Uh, but any big surprises, anything that uh, sort of threw you for a loop so far uh, after our first day? Wow. Um, it's really hard without Wi-Fi in the hotel <laughs> to do live blogging. <laughs> Finding a place to come and just the time to come somewhere and upload your stuff. So I have a whole day's worth of posts on my um, computer right now that right after we're done, I'm going to go upload. But now it's, you know six o'clock so I would have liked to add them up you know as we went through the day I have one from the Mia Farrow I went in and uploaded it but yeah so I mean there's always a technology um, hurdle to overcome when you do these kinds of things Um, the other I mean this isn't a surprise but the other thing is that I can't be all places at all times I can only be in one session at one time and there's usually um, you know 10 or 12 sessions going on at the same time so you know you need an army of bloggers to cover it all Um, so how many do we have? We, well, it's growing by the minute. Um, Josh Hallett just hit the ground. You're here, Eric, uh, me, 
we have Peter um, Himmler who's coming in. We and they, he, some of these are going to blog uh, post to their own blogs, and we'll just link in. Um, Katie Payne is here. Um, Joe Thornley is here, and I saw him doing some video earlier, so we'll probably have some great video to link to. He's and he's really well known for his educational way of covering these kinds of conferences. Um, so yeah, I mean those. There's probably more. Oh, yeah, Amanda Vassell. She's our um, our PRSSA blogger. She's covering the um, the student side of the of the wall, and she is the PRSSA president for Kent State University. And tonight we uh, have a uh, geek dinner, right? Yeah, we have a geek dinner tonight. And, of course, I've probably forgotten some people. So, guys, if I forgot you, I'm sorry. I'll link to you later. I'll give you love for it. So, Great. Well, uh, I just have to say uh, how uh, glad I am to be involved with you and to have met you and to be learning from you. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And vice versa. Thanks, Eric. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.